So open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. The book of James, chapter 1. In your New Testament, towards the end. Right after the book of Hebrews. Hebrews and then James, chapter 1. Continuing in our series, What does God want from me? God, what do you want me to do? Trying to answer that question. So you can see on screen... The idea is that God wants us to get involved. He wants us to do something. So today we're going to talk about how our faith is a faith of doers, not just hearers. James famously said that, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So God wants us to do something with our faith. Not just go to church, but to actually do something in our lives following Jesus. James chapter 1. And just keep your Bible open there if you would. As always, we begin the time of prayer. As we pray, remember especially Tom Christopher's family, Bev, Christopher, and our, the kids, remember that? Uh, Tom passed yesterday. They are, are former members of our church. He is very prominent in our church for many years. And so be in prayer for them. We don't have any details about the services, but he passed yesterday morning after a long illness. So be in prayer for that family, if you would. As always, we pray. I'll give you a few moments of prayer where you're seated, then I'll close and we'll look at this passage together. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you this morning for your presence, for an opportunity for worship. We thank you, Father, for working in human history. You have blessed us in so many ways through the ages. The stories in the Old Testament, the message of Jesus in the Gospels, the New Testament teachings, which give us an understanding of what you want from us, how we can live to serve you and honor you, and what things we are to believe and what things we are to reject. Father, help us to be always open to your word. We pray for wisdom and faith and the hope that comes from Jesus. We ask, Father, that you would work with us each day to teach us how to live. Lord, some of us struggle with different things. You know all the details, but we ask for your help. Give us hope in hard times. Help us to resist the inroads of sin into our lives. Help us to be aware of the work of the evil one, that we might stand strong against him. We pray, Father, for the ability to work together. Help us to make that choice to control our tongues, to control our tempers, to control the way we speak to others. We pray, Father, for self-control and the influence of your Spirit on each and everything we do. As always, Father, we ask for wisdom and guidance for those who have power over us, elected officials and others. Be with them, Father. Give them wisdom, restraint. Help them to use their powers wisely and in a way that honors you and brings peace and justice. We pray for our soldiers, our first responders, and our families. Use them, too, Father, to bring good, to save lives. To influence others for good. Father, we come to you knowing that our world is in a difficult situation. 
it seems as if there are wars on every continent looming. We pray, Father, for peace. Again, be with those who have positions of leadership, that you would give them wisdom and restraint and the ability to influence other nations for good, that there might be peace and justice, that we might resist a tendency to resort to violence, to settle our differences. We pray, Father, for those who struggle to find a home. Be with them. Guide and direct them. Help us, Father, to share what we have with others. Give us grace that we might extend generous hands to others. We pray for those immigrants that are here from Afghan. We pray that you would bless them, that you would save them, that you would enable them to live good and fruitful lives here. Lord, help us today to honor you. Be with each of us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, the question is, God, what do you want me to do? Get involved. So imagine that. If God were to say, get involved, what would that entail? One of my friends is a pastor of a church. It's nowhere near this area. You don't know anything about the church or him, so the details aren't really all that relevant. Good, solid church. Baptist church, kind of like this. About three times the size, so a good healthy church and, and in a church that's been blessed with a lot of numbers and a lot of money and all those kinds of things. And they recently went from 300 to 100 because they've been fighting for the last three months. Doesn't matter about what. You know how this goes. The pastor does some things and says some things that probably weren't worded just right. He'd been there several years, a good guy, doing the right things. Somebody got their dander up over what he said. And again, I don't know all the details. But you know the story, don't you? He said, and then he said, and then she said, and then they had a meeting. And then everybody said, and they took turns taking pot shots at each other. Now, they prayed before and after the meeting, of course, to make it a Christian assembly. You know how church fights go. But they fought long and hard. One of the meetings lasted several hours. It was an exhausting meeting. Everything negative that you can imagine happened in those meetings. People screamed and yelled. People cried. People insulted each other. And they cast dispersions on the motives of other people. And then finally people yelled, we're leaving. And they did. And it happened again. And so that nice solid church is now on shaky ground. A big building, minus two-thirds of its congregation. Sad, isn't it? Every one of them follows Jesus as Savior. Every one of them claimed to know Jesus as one who has saved them and cleansed them. Every one of them carries their Bible to Sunday school and church. Every one of them hopes to represent Christ in their families and in their communities. And yet, for some reason, not a single one of them could muster the faith to control their temper or control their tongue. And another church dies. And God would say, get involved. So, what we're going to do today is look at a passage of Scripture where James was addressing, guess what? 
that very situation. Churches fighting amongst themselves, good people all, following Jesus, studying scriptures, doing what they could, and not understanding how difficult it is and how they must make an effort to get along with each other. Follow along with me if you would in James chapter 1. I'll read verses 19 through 27. Verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So we have this idea that God wants us to work and get involved and make a difference on this earth. And that's the idea of the church, isn't it? That we represent Christ in all things. Churches are good about starting missions and sending people out and raising money and building buildings and all those kinds of things. Just like in the early church, they were good at those kinds of things. They were getting better too. They taught the right things. They believed the right things. They did so many good things and yet when they got together, they forgot brothers and sisters in Christ. So when you ask the question, what does God want me to do? God wants you to work to get along with others. So in this section of scripture that we read, there is a very practical teaching at the beginning and at the end, and there's a section in the center that talks about a big idea. So we're going to talk about those things. And so the first of the section is, the first to-do section is, God wants to make us an, to make an effort to get along. If you would, look at verse 19 again, 19 through 21. And we're going to read it again just because it's so important. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So, James was writing to Christians. Remember this. Christians that had started out as Jews for the most part, and they were part of the diaspora. They'd gotten saved, and there was generalized persecution. In other words, people were getting in trouble for being Christian. And people that were Christians were huddling together and staggering together because everybody else was against them. And it was a very miserable time across the Roman Empire. And what happened was they got ran out of town literally or they just packed up their bags and got out simply so they could live. And they were going all over the world, the civilized world of the Roman Empire. And you've seen the maps. Sometimes they went where they understood the language. At other times, they went to places where they knew nothing about anything and couldn't speak the language. So think about this. You go to a city, not a big town, 
five, six thousand people. You don't know anyone. You don't speak the language. You don't have any money. You don't have a place to stay. And then somehow you find out that down the road over there is a group of people or a family or two that are from your general area back there. What are you going to do? You're going to go down there, aren't you? Because you want to find someone that knows your name or maybe at least speaks your language and can help you. Well, that was what was going on all over the Roman Empire. Scattered Christians just running for their lives, literally. And they would get there and they would begin to settle and find out that those foreigners over there spoke my language, etc., etc. And they ended up in little clusters. Call them ghettos. Just not, not a negative thing. Just a group of people that speak the same language. And turns out that most of them were scattered because of their Christian faith. So not only were they people who spoke the language, they had a, a common heritage, a common experience, and they had the same Christian faith. So guess what? Everything was good. They'd found their spot in this country, in this world that was harsh and cruel and expensive and scary. They found a group of people and they began to worship together. What happened was they started a church. Which was, by the way, God's plan from the beginning that when Christians gather, they start a church. Not necessarily build a building, but start together. And remember Jesus said, when you gather together, I'm with you. And that was the church, wasn't it? Christians who follow Jesus, that is the church. Buildings are irrelevant. So they started church. And they got to worship and did what they could. Some of the churches were very small, just a handful of people. Some of the churches got to be 20, 30, 50 people, sometimes meeting people's homes, sometimes renting a hall, sometimes renting in a synagogue and things like that. But what happened was, after the initial fear was over and they were able to settle down and they'd been there a few months and they started working together, guess what happened? They were no longer afraid and so they started fussing. Now the reason we know this isn't because an historian said that. Remember, when you read the New Testament, it is typically a letter written to address a particular situation. So if you want to know what's going on in that situation, you just look at what's being written. So look again at those passages. Verse 19, my brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why would James say this? Why would he tell a group of people, be quick to hear? was because they weren't hearing. They weren't listening. Why would he tell you to be slow to speak? Because you're, you're talking too fast. Not means rate of speech, but means you're shooting your mouth off before you're listening and not understanding and things like that. And finally, slow to anger because they were coming to church in a bad mood, ready for a fight. Don't hold your hands up. How many times have you shown up somewhere looking for a fight? Sometimes it's at a family gathering. Sometimes it's at church. Sometimes it's at work. You're bruising for, for a fight, aren't you? You know what I mean by that. You can tell sometimes when people walk in the door that they are ready for a fight. It's exactly what was going on in the early church. All across the Roman Empire, Christians were tense and uptight. They got over the initial fear of what was going on and they were acting like non-Christians. He didn't say you were acting unusual. He said you're acting like everybody else. And they were. Because that is the world, isn't it? I used to think, I, I, I never took debate in school, but I always wish I would have. 
But I always thought debate was this idea where people got together and rationally discussed issues. And people would take turns discussing their perspective and they would use concepts and theories and they would present their case and there would be a a gentle back and forth of good ideas and good people and all those kinds of things. However, I have watched debates and I haven't seen that yet. And neither have you. I did find out one of the gentlemen in our church has a daughter who's in debate and he was talking about debate and what it was meant to be. And he was, had the same ideas because we were old people. We think you need to get together and talk graciously and all those kinds of things. Turns out that's a crazy idea. Because his daughter who's on a debate team said, oh dad, no. The idea of debate is to get your shots in early and talk so fast and talk so long that they don't get a chance to get a word in edgewise. And that's debate. I didn't know that. Turns out that's what people do. Well, I didn't need to be trained to do that, so evidently I was a good debater when I was 18 years old. I just didn't know it. Because I was perfectly willing to open my mouth without thinking. I was perfectly willing to insult people, and I was perfectly capable of hurting people before I even thought about it. I'm a debater, who knew? Well, now you know, and I know, that what I was, was a pagan. I was acting like a non-Christian. Anybody can act like that. James understood this. So what he was doing was teaching people to act like Christians. Turns out, Christians are to be different. So on screen are some, back to that other phrase please. Be quick to hear means listen before you talk. Really hard. When you know what you want to say, even if you're not really angry, it is so hard To not just blurt it out. Happens to me almost every day. I have to stop talking. And I tell myself, stop talking, Kevin. And I never say it out loud. That would be bad. But I'm telling myself, Kevin, stop talking. Because what I have to do is listen to people. Be slow to speak. And that means listen. Instead of talking or thinking about what you're going to say, think. Listen. Years ago when I was in school, I had to write this paper. And one of the things that I talked about was relationships and all those kinds of things. And one of the things I found out that researchers said to do was, when you're in a conversation and somebody says something, before you respond to them, listen to this, make sure that you heard them correctly. It's called look and attend and listen. And what it was is when you're in a discussion or an argument heated discussion, never argument. But when you're in one of those situations, before you say what you think and before you say what you want to say back at them, you make sure that you heard them correctly. So someone says something to you, it's a good idea if you can slow it down. And instead of attacking or spewing your stuff, instead, now wait a minute here, did you say this? Or let me repeat to you what I think you said and check to see if it's right. And I found out when I apply this to my own life that a lot of times I'm so worked up about what I'm talking about or I'm so anxious to speak that I didn't hear accurately what someone's saying. Well, guess what James is saying? Be slow to speak. In other words, listen. Pay attention to what people are saying. Not very spiritual, is it? And yet it makes a profound difference. And in the early church, they were fighting about everything. Well, where I grew up, well, where I grew up, well, we didn't used to do it this way where, where I was and so on and so forth. And people were talking over each other's heads. Ever had a conversation like that? Where you're talking and you're saying a lot of words and after it's all over and it's said and done, not only do you not remember what you said, you can't remember what anybody else said either. But you know words were said. 
Well, what words? Well, I don't know. And you can't remember anything. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. In other words, instead of saying, well, you're an idiot if you believe that, instead say, help me to understand why you would say that, because that doesn't sound right to me. See the difference? Without attacking someone, you challenge them, and you, if you can get your tone of voice, and you can take a breath and slow down, then you can actually have a conversation. Isn't it amazing that 2,000 years ago, James wrote modern communications theory? Study communications theory today. You know what it talks about? Listen, be slow to speak, watch your tone of voice, and things like that. And finally, be slow to anger. In other words, don't be so quick to get mad. I grew up with a big mouth and a pretty hot temper. And in my first church, I quickly learned I had to get both of them under control. Huge life changer for me, and my wife will tell you so, as much. What I had to learn to do is get my mouth under control, and then get my temper under control. And I was never out of control, I thought. I just had a big mouth that was open a lot. And I had to get that under control. And usually, I can do that today. But still, sometimes I slip. What James was talking to those early Christians was this. You've got to get your mouth under control. That's it. When you go to church and you disagree, watch your mouth. Watch your temper. Listen to what people say. Nothing spiritual about it, and yet it is one of those profoundly spiritual things that can change everything in every relationship you have, particularly in church. Some churches are known by being fighting churches. I was pastor of a church years ago, it doesn't matter where it was, and they prided themselves on being fighters. They liked that, and they liked to fight. And I remember trying to have discussions with the group, and there were two main families in that church, and every Bible study we had, and I was taught about how to have Bible studies. You would ask questions and have discussion and things like that. And after about three months of that, I realized I could no longer have discussions in that church because those people liked to fight. So you know what we did? We had lectures. From then on, after that, whenever I got up to speak, no one got a chance to ask questions. No one got a chance to say anything. They came in, they sat down, they stayed quiet, and I yammered on incessantly until it was time to go home. And it was the only way we, can, we could function in that church because no one could control themselves. They came to church angry over something that happened years ago. And they liked to say their opinion. And they liked to attack each other. And some of them were related and some of them weren't. And they laughed about running preachers out because they were, they were just mean people. Now, they were good people, but they were mean. And they thought it's funny. And they thought James was crazy. Oh, 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 I remember. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's one of those things that God wants us to do. So when you ask, well, God, what do you want me to do? He says, this is what I want you to do. When you get involved, watch your mouth. Control yourself. Demonstrate what Christian love is all about. Now, this section, the first section, is one of those practical things. After this, though, in verse 22, is a center section. Look at that, if you would. Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Amazing, isn't it? 
So what he's saying here, he says, listen, I know this is hard. Don't just hear me and go on about your business. Listen. So James is saying, because he knows what they're doing. They're saying, James, we ain't going to do it. We got things to say and those people are stupid. We're just going to straighten them out. He knew them. So he was writing to people that he knew, saying, listen, be a doer of the word. Instead of doing whatever you want, instead of living like, you're, like is natural, instead, live like a Christian. When you read scripture, when they read this letter, he said, don't be just a hearer, be a doer. Get involved and watch yourself. So, for us, what that means is, the fact that you are willing to sit through and hear a sermon about how to keep yourself under control doesn't really help you much if you're not willing to get yourself under control. It's like with everything else the scriptures teach. It's one thing to hear it and quite another thing to do it. Like I said, in the, all the churches that I've talked about, the one that split and some of those in my earlier churches, everybody there had heard this passage. Because typically, in almost every church I've been at, the book of James is one of those most popular books because it's so plain spoken. There's nothing hard to understand. Be slow to speak. Quick to hear. Slow to anger. Nothing hard about that. But applying it to your life and doing it, well, that's quite another thing. So he contrasts people who hear it and don't do it. He said some people go to stand in front of a mirror, and I'll put it in everyday language, and they don't see the smudge on their face or they see it and they go on about their business when they should look in the mirror and fix themselves up a little bit. And he was using the analogy, listen, when you look in a mirror and you see something wrong, you fix it. So, when you hear scripture and, you, and scripture challenges you and pushes you on some issue, submit to the teaching of scripture. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. The other section says a very similar thing. God wants us to practice a pure and undefiled religion. Look at verse 27 again. Still in chapter 1, verse 27. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. To visit orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. In ancient cultures, widows and orphans really were outcast. There was no safety net. No one cared. If a child had no parents or family, that child would live on the street and probably die or end up in prostitution. That's the way it was. For a widow who lost her husband, if she had no family, because most people didn't have savings, if she had no family to take care of her, she would either go into prostitution just so she could survive or she would die. It was a miserable situation. No safety net. And so James was teaching the church, and this is where the church started this practice. You find these people that cannot take care of themselves, and you take care of them. And that's where the church started its ministry of, of doing good things for people who can't help themselves. So Christian ministry isn't just being nice. Nothing wrong with being nice. Christian ministry isn't necessarily talking religious, even though that's not always a bad thing. Christian ministry is helping people who can't help themselves. In ancient cultures, an older widow couldn't help herself. In ancient cultures, a child could not help him or herself. They just had nothing. There weren't the agencies that you and I talk about. 
And if someone didn't adopt them or bring them in, and if a church wasn't there to help them, they lived a life of abject poverty, probably got sold into sexual slavery or some other kind of slavery, and had a pretty miserable existence and more than likely died young. And that was it. So James said this, Okay, you guys, instead of just talking about Jesus and patting yourselves on the back because you're saved and no one else is, I want you to get up and find these people that can't help themselves and help them. In that culture, it was just orphans and widows. In other cultures, it's different people groups. There's no one group that has a monopoly on suffering. James is saying, Christians do. So again, verse 22... Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If you want to follow Jesus, great. Want to bring honor to God, wonderful. Want to know what God wants you to do? Serve those that need help. Really is very simple. There's nothing complicated about ministry. Sometimes the details are kind of difficult. But it, it does, some, does things that can make people happy and healthy. So... To do this ministry, get involved. Orphans and widows in their distress. Immigrants, for instance, things like that. Every day I get calls for help to go to the Afghan motel up on the airport. There are a lot of opportunities for help with those Afghan refugees. By the way, just so you'll know, when you hear stories about refugees from Afghanistan, they are all people brought over with UN, United Nations monies. And every one of them... I didn't know this till this week. Every one of them that are here legally were brought here because they helped our military in Afghanistan. I didn't know that. Every one of them. My daughter's involved in this ministry, goes to the airport two times a week, and there's a big motel, and there are right now 270 Afghan refugees there. These are people who risked their lives in Afghanistan to help our people. There are daily calls for help of some ways. Sometimes money, seems like money really isn't the issue. They need help with people. And these are people that need help. They're not Christian. They're not necessarily open to hear about Jesus. They're here because they're trying to stay alive and trying to keep their kids happy. And they're just trying to eke out a living. So, that might be our way of getting involved. Might be your way of getting involved. If you want to get involved in that ministry, let me know and I can hook you up to the right people. It's hard. They do not speak English. They will try to be friendly, but they don't speak the language and you don't speak theirs. But there is a lot of opportunity for ministry. Now, because it's a United Nations ministry, you can't pass out Bible tracts or Bibles, so it's hard. But it's a beginning. And that's just one example of what James is talking about. Find the people that are struggling and help them. So what does God want? God wants you to get involved. It's really that simple. You don't have to do any one thing. He wants you to use your brain, listen on the radio, watch on TV, find out what ministries need to be done, and get involved. When you have discussions with people at church or at home or wherever you are, apply those biblical teachings of being slow to speak, slow to anger, Quick to love. Be doers of the word. On screen is a closing thought.
Read this with me. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. It's wonderful to be saved, to follow Jesus as Savior, to get baptized, join a church, and get involved. Wonderful. Good stuff. I hope that's not all you're doing. God wants you to get involved, to love people, to make an effort to get to know people, to help them, to give your monies, yes, but to give your time, to control yourself when you get with people. Because wherever you go, you know this, wherever you go, there's always a reason to fuss. You know, people that are like-minded, that want to do the same thing, sometimes have different ways of doing things, and you're going to fuss. Christians learn sometimes it's more important to do rather than do things the way you want to do them. So follow Jesus. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And that's what God wants you to do. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. The invitation is that you just follow Jesus as Savior. Or, if you're already Christian, that you get involved in ministry. That you make a choice to give time and energy and allow God to use you. Make those decisions that will honor God. Would you stand with me, please? going to come and lead us in a closing prayer. Mike, want to come up here? Just be in prayer for our church and pray that God can use you and you can stumble sometimes into the ways that God wants you to live. Mike? Dear Father, be with us now as we go and keep protect us from harm. And Father, help us this week to do a good deed for our neighbor or someone else. And help us to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>